So what's the point? <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself that question? Really, what's the point? You can apply the question to almost anything. What's the point of Hawaiian pizza? What's the point of decaf coffee? What, what's the point of what's the point of church? What's the point of reading, or in this case, listening to the Bible? So welcome to the podcast, More Than Bread. This is episode number 88, and we're making our way through the Gospel of Mark. I'm Dan, and I'm your host for this dive into Scripture, about 15 to 20 minutes, um, five days a week. And, and if you ask me what the point is when it comes to Scripture, I think I, think I would have to say Jesus. If you let me have more than one point, I might say hearing the voice of God when the Spirit of God brings the Word of God alive for the people of God. That's a good thing. Learning how to live, knowing what to do. But if I can only choose one point, I think the ultimate point of all of Scripture is, is Jesus. And, and the ultimate point of what it means to be a Christian is somehow all wrapped up in Jesus too. So if you're making a big deal out of your religion and you're missing Jesus, you're missing the point. Now, today's scripture reading is all about the point. So listen in as I read Mark chapter 7, verse 1 through 23 from the New Living Translation. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Those are my words. That's not in the scripture. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, verse 3, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient tradition. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until, from the grocery store, until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We're going to get into this in a moment, but in my words, just don't miss this. This is the point. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and you substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and, and try to understand it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. My words again, don't miss that. This is part of the point. Your heart, your heart, your heart. How's your heart? Verse 17, then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked? Can't, can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you, 
not my words, understand when he says it can't defile you, he's not saying it's all healthy for you, it's all good for you. He's saying from a spiritual standpoint, that's what the Pharisees were all concerned about. From a spiritual standpoint, what goes into you doesn't defile you, but what comes out of your heart. Food doesn't go into your heart, but it only passes, verse 19, through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, there's that word again, out of a person's heart. How's your heart? Out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. So I, I call this this moment, this this sequence, this scene in the life of Jesus, I, I call it adventures in missing the point. <laughs> And and you know what I think I think even today too many Jesus followers miss the point. So so what's the point? I mean sometimes nowadays we we call the point branding, right? Companies will sit down with expensive consultants and ask strategic questions like what do you want to be known for? How might we sum up our identity in just a few words so that people will remember us for who we are and what we do? In other words, what's the point? What what's the point? Of Coke, for instance, if I said it's the real thing, you'd say Coke. Google has done such a good job of branding their product that the brand has become a verb. To Google something is to search the internet. You you may not be able to put it into words, but if someone says Starbucks, you, you kind of know what they're all about. So let me ask you, what do you think the average person on the street, in the grocery store, at the gas station would come up if we went around and asked them to sum up in just a few words what the Christian church is all about? What's the point of church? Too often our branding tagline might be something like, we're right, you're wrong. Let us correct your behavior. Give us your money for something irrelevant to your life. Come join our weird little subculture. (laughs) I think if you ask outsiders what the point is when it comes to the church many would just say i I don't know but it's weird (laughs) and that's what i thought of when i read this story in mark chapter 7 all the weird stuff of christianity Uh, like verse one one day some pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from jerusalem to to see jesus this is the big time the religious bigwigs have come to check out jesus he's getting a lot of press for his teaching and his miracles he's gathering followers faster than any rabbi in recent memory so the rabbi review board has come and what do they find they notice that some of his disciples don't wash their hands like other jews wash their hands in the ancient words of saturday night lives news oh my goodness really <laughs> That's what you notice? Really, washing your hands was a spiritual requirement of the ancient traditions. Really? Isn't mom enough? See, when to wash and how to wash and what to wash, that, that, was, all, that was all before the fear of COVID. <laughs> I mean, they don't wash like we do, which is bad because the hand-washing ceremony is the point, right? I mean, how can you be a follower of God if you don't get the hand-washing ceremony right? And And we're kind of tempted to think, well, that's just weird. Glad that we're not weird like that. But aren't we? (laughs) Churches today are filled with weird stuff like that. Rituals that insiders look for in a church to make sure it's the right one. 
Oh yeah, that's one of those churches where people raise their hands when they worship. We don't do that. We're a hands stay down church. <laughs> oh yeah, did you know those people in that church? They do this thing where they hold you under the water. Yeah, all the way under their dunkers. I grew up in a church that all had all sorts of traditions. No movies, hair above your ears, no dances, no cards, at least not poker cards, no mo- music with a beat. And Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts, their hearts, their hearts are far from me. Their, their worship is a farce because their hearts are far from me. They, they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Uh, Now listen, Jesus doesn't have anything against traditions. Some traditions are wonderful. (laughs) Hammock Christmas is wonderful. I I love Christmas lights. I I love Christmas Eve services. I I love the the, the Advent candle. I, I love all the traditions of Easter. See, Jesus is simply saying our traditions are not the point. It is not the passion of the heart of God that we would be known by our traditions. In fact, sometimes traditions give us an easy way to look like we're in, like we're close to God when in fact our hearts our hearts are far from God. Our traditions are not the point, but Jesus takes it another step. Not only are our traditions not the point, outside appearances, how we look, what people see when they see us, outside appearances are not the point. Now, it's real important. I think it's real helpful to give kind of a, a a peek backstage of this story, because this is a pretty key point. If we want to understand what's going on in religion in Jesus' days, but also religion in our days, we need to ask what's really going on here. James Dunn is a New Testament scholar. He's written a great commentary in the book of Romans, and and in it, he makes the observation that rabbis, the Jewish religious leaders, the pastors of the day, you could say, they gave a huge amount of attention to three areas of religious law, of tradition. One was the dietary rules. That's kind of what is being talked about here. Another was Sabbath keeping. You, you hear the, the Pharisees confront Jesus with Sabbath keeping all the time. And, and the other one was circumcision. Now, you know what? Not a single Pharisee or religious leader of Jesus' day would have said, you know what the point of Judaism is? Here's the point. God's will for humanity is summed up in eating the right foods, doing nothing on the Sabbath, and being circumcised. No. If you would have asked the religious leaders of that day the point, they would have recited the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So why such a focus on outward appearances? Because outward appearances help us figure out who's in and who's out. Dunn calls them identity markers. Identity markers. See, we want to know who's in and out. We want it to be easy to figure out who's in and who's out. So we adopt identity markers. Uh, Identity markers are the circle, uh, you know, that that tells us you're either inside the circle or you're out. It's the way you look or dress or talk. Are you Republican or Democrat? Do you drink or are you a teetotaler? What version of the Bible do you use? Are you woke? Are you woke? It's it's even theology, identity markers in, in theology. So here's how identity markers work. For instance, if you were driving along the road in the 60s and you saw a Volkswagen van plastered with make love, not war bumper stickers with a long-haired, tie-dyed, granny glasses driver, you'd know it's a hippie. If it were the 80s and you saw a BMW driver you know, who, who wears Gucci shoes and a Rolex watch. It's a yuppie, right? So, so what is it that marks a Christian? 
What's the point? And you know what? In, in some ways, the reality is we're not all that different from people who aren't Christ followers. For example, in a Barna study released about a decade ago, and I'm telling you, I know it's not better now than it was then. This study found that most of the lifestyle activities of born-again Christians was statistically the equivalent of those who were not born again. Christians were just as likely to gamble or visit a pornographic website. We were just as likely to take something that didn't belong to us, just as likely to consult a psychic, and just as likely to get drunk. We were just as likely to get in a fight, abuse someone, or take drugs. We were just as likely to have lied or said something mean behind someone else's back. You know where we were different? We flipped people off less often, and we were less likely to have bought a lottery ticket in the last 30 days. <laughs> so no wonder I get weird looks from Christians when I show them my lottery ticket. I didn't realize it's one of the two essential qualities that define a Christian. What does it really mean to be a Christian? What's the point? Is it stay away from the lottery and be careful with your middle finger? Is that why Jesus came and gave his life? Is it so that we could find our voice in the political system, be known for our party affiliation, be known for all the things that we're against? Is that the point? No. Jesus' message from day one to day now has been, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. It's about the inside, not the outside. He said, you will be known as my followers by the quality of your love by the size of your heart, by the depth of your passion for God and your capacity to love your neighbor. Above all else, it's the heart. In the Hebrew language and culture, the heart was seen as far more than just the source of emotion or love. The heart was the source of the deepest, truest you. Listen to me. To God, your heart is a treasure. Made to bear his image, it is the source of God-shaped greatness in you. But Man, it's easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? It's easy to lose sight of the treasure that God has given us. But but listen to me. Jesus is clear on this. The Bible is explicit on this. There is something about your heart, you listening to me, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing, there is something about your heart. Of all the eternal truths that we don't believe, this hits the top 10 list. So often our days are not extraordinary, and it's hard to believe that our hearts are a treasure to God, but... This is a biblical truth. God treasures your heart. It's not about traditions. It's not about outward appearances. It's about our hearts. It's about loving God with all our heart, loving our neighbors like we love ourselves. It's about being known by the quality of our love for each other within the church. If we don't get that right, Jesus would say, what's the point? What's the point? See, this is part of the, the heart behind our emphasis at Calvary on our front yard mission, loving our neighbors. And, and see, while Sundays, church without wall Sundays, where we say on the fourth Sunday of the month, we're not going to gather in the building. We're going to go out and be the church to our neighbors. It's not that we hate traditions. We don't hate traditions. We have nothing against looking good, but looking good is not the point. Loving well is the point. When asked what must be done to find life, Jesus boiled it all down to two things, love God and love others. And you know what? I think somehow deep inside, we know that this is the point because we long to love and be loved. We, we long to connect, connect heart to heart with another heart. We, we know that if we could truly love and be loved, our lives would not be wasted. We would make a difference. So let me ask you, how's your heart? 
How's your heart? Any hard spots, a touch of cynicism? Find yourself wanting to believe the worst about people, doing a lot of complaining? Is there bitterness? Or maybe there's just an area where you've said no to God. Are you losing heart? Thinking about giving up on a dream God's given you. Maybe your heart is just cluttered and scattered and distracted with stuff. How's your heart? Is it growing? Are you loving people more this year than you did last year at this time? Is your heart tipping towards the broken, the poor, the hurting? Has has your heart grown in the last year? Have you put into place any strategy to guard or grow your heart? Or are you just thinking it'll happen on its own? Listen, keep your heart tender. Get rid of bitterness. Be generous. Don't let your heart get twisted up by worry. Practice gratitude and be humble. And surrendered to the teaching of Scripture, like Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5, the purpose of my instruction, the point of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Love is the point. The love of Jesus is the point. Loving like Jesus is the point. Jesus calls us to love God with all our hearts, to love our neighbors, and to be known by the love we have for each other. And Paul says the goal of our instruction is that we would love better from a pure heart. In other words, make love your goal. I mean, if Jesus had a brand, wasn't that it? When Jesus and his first followers walked the earth, how did people identify them? When people thought of Jesus, especially people who were poor outside the religious establishment of the day or marginalized, what did they think? See, I think if you ask the leper or the prostitute or the Samaritan woman or the blind man or the rich tax collector to come up with a single word that would brand Jesus, the word might have been compassion, all out compassion. Like they would say, I never felt loved like I felt loved by Jesus. What if that were our branding? What if that was not only the point, but it was the point that we are known for? All out compassion. What if every time people thought of Christ followers, the first words that came into their minds were they have huge hearts. They really love people. It's like it's just all out compassion. Wouldn't that make a difference in our world, in your neighborhood, your workplace, your family? Let me read the text one more time. Luke chapter 7, 1 through 23 from the message this time. The Pharisees, along with some religion scholars who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around him. And they noticed that some of his disciples weren't being careful with ritual washings before meals. The Pharisees, Jews in general, in fact, would never eat a meal without going through the motions of a ritual hand washing with an especially vigorous scrubbing if they had just come from the market to say nothing of the scourings they'd give jugs and pots and pans. The Pharisees and religion scholars asked, well, why do your disciples brush off the rules showing up at meals without washing their hands? And, and Jesus answered them, I, Isaiah was right about frauds like you. Hit the bullseye, in fact. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy, ditching God's command and taking up the latest fads. He went on, well, good for you. You got rid of God's command, so you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions. Moses said, respect your father and mother, and anyone denouncing father and mother should be killed. But you weasel out of that by saying that it's perfectly acceptable to say to father and mother, gift what I owed you, I've given as a gift to God, thus relieving yourselves of your obligation to father or mother. You scratch out God's word and you scrawl a whim in its place. You do a lot of things like this. 
Jesus called the crowd together again and said, listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. When he was back home after being with the crowd, his disciples said, we don't get it. Put it in plain language. And Jesus said, are you being willfully stupid? Don't you see that what you swallow cannot contaminate you? It doesn't enter your heart, but your stomach, it works its way through the intestines and is finally flushed. That took care of dietary quibbling. Jesus was saying that all foods are fit to eat. But he went on, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness, all these are vomit from the heart. That's the source of your pollution. Let me pray for you. Father, in some ways this is a tough message, and in other ways it's it's compelling. Because I think deep down, regardless of what's coming out of our hearts, the obscenities and adulteries and greed and depravity and mean looks and slander. What I, I believe with all my heart, God, you've created us with a, a longing to connect, a, a longing to love and be loved, to be truly known and, and deeply loved. So, Father, I pray for each and every person listening. I pray that you would do heart surgery, that you would clean up our hearts, that you would soften our hearts, that we would grow, even if it's just incremental, that we would grow even today and tomorrow that when next year this time rolls around, that our hearts would be bigger, that we would be better at loving than than we are now. Help us to love you, God, with all our hearts, souls, and mind. Help us to love our neighbors like we love ourselves, and help us to love each other like you love us. And help us to know how very much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>